This is Framework Leadership. I'm Ken Dingle, and you're listening to Framework Leadership, a podcast about how to bring your personal life and organization to the next level. And today, wow, what a privilege. I'm sitting down with Jimmy Rollins. And Jimmy and his wife, Irene, are the lead pastors of I-5 City, a church based in the Baltimore suburb of Glen Burnie. Maryland uh, and, and under their leadership, the congregation has grown from a predominantly African American church to a community known for its diversity and community service initiatives. I know the church's transformative impact and success in the community has also led Jimmy to serve with the Association of Related Churches as a strategic partner, uh, focusing on how to approach diversity in the local church. Well, again, it's my pleasure to welcome Jimmy Rollins to Framework Leadership. Welcome. Absolutely. Dr. Engel, such a blessing to be a part of this leadership podcast, a part of what God's doing here uh, at your school. Uh, I'm just honored to be here, humbled, and uh, I hope uh, through all of my mistakes, somebody can learn something. <laughs> well, we are grateful <laughs> that you're here and just grateful to have this conversation Absolutely. with you and just to hear uh, uh, more of what God's doing in your life and your your church. I want to start at the beginning. Uh, tell tell us a little bit about you know where where'd you grow up? What was childhood like? Absolutely. What was that that environment? Well, I grew up uh, in Maryland uh, in a town uh, called Gambrels, Maryland, uh, which is outside of Baltimore, about fifteen minutes uh, south of uh, Baltimore City, uh, suburban area. Um, literally, I was. Uh, it was not a, a diverse area. It was predominantly Caucasian. I was. Went to a high school uh, where there wasn't many African-Americans. I grew up, but my dad was the warden of the Maryland State Penitentiary. And so my dad built the, the prison systems in Maryland. And so a little bit of warfare of threatening phone calls and things like that. But we've always been called to ministry. My parents were also serving at a church, an Assemblies of God church. Uh, They're called Cornerstone Assembly uh, growing up, uh, Ken Bertram uh, there. And uh, and so it was. it's great. Ended up in uh, at Capitol Heights at a church called New Life Assembly under Mike uh, Zello. Uh, and uh, just God just woke up something in me for outreach and, and for changing lives all the, all the way since I was a, a young child. Now, n- n- you talk about growing up in, in, in church. Now, when did you decide that, man, ministry is that call uh, that, you know, God has placed on wow. your life? And, and did you did you ever struggle with that? Did you, you know, have any other kinds of career aspirations. How, how did that all unfold? Absolutely. Well, I grew up playing drums on a worship team. Uh, I wasn't living the life, uh, I, to be very honest. Um, I would play for my mom's worship team, my mom's church and my parents' church. And and I remember just seeing people getting healed and delivered and set free and people coming to freedom at altars through worship, through me playing the drums. And at that moment, I realized that God can use my gifts to change people's lives. And uh, went to in, in the early days of Fine Arts Festival, it was called Teen Talent. I was a singer and got a, uh, I won and got a scholarship to Valley Forge Christian College where that, just the call of God just started to uh, be uh, uh, just prevalent in my life. And uh, But I struggled with that for a long time. Uh, ended up actually getting kicked out of Bible school for a fight that I got in uh, over a racial issue. And, uh, uh, and I went home and was in business and started selling cell phones uh, with cellular one, and, which led me uh, to uh, not, I sold a guy a phone and, and he said, man, there's something on you. Uh, and I ended up at Headhunter for technical recruiters. I found jobs for computer consultants and CEOs. And uh, the Lord just began to really, really, really increase me in that, uh, where I was 24 years old, making a ton of money. And I'll never forget, I was preaching at a youth conference and I felt the Holy Spirit say me or money. And uh, that day, I didn't wait. I walked away from 
uh, at 24 years old, uh, six figure salary to $24,000 a year at my mom and dad's church. And I knew that God had something special called on my life. And I'm glad I made that decision that day. Wow. Now, as you mentioned, your your parents spent much of their time in ministry serving the local church yes. and, and building the church and, and that you pastored and eventually inherited. Um, and, and that was, again, Living Waters Worship Center. Correct. What was the biggest challenge you face when you now step in and inherit the church? Um, you know, what position you uniquely to be able to tackle what you saw as that big challenge? Absolutely. I would think the most uh, challenges is not realizing uh, just what the church was created for. I was frustrated. Living Waters was amazing. The worship was amazing. The preaching was amazing. The, the church was amazing. Uh, but I believe that there was something more for us to take this gospel, to take uh, this message outside the four walls of the church. And so I didn't handle that correctly at first. I was very frustrated. I was very vocal about my frustrations. I was young and dumb and thought I knew everything uh, and not realizing the journey that I needed to take people on. I had no idea how people had been indoctrinated about a certain, you know, life, a certain style of church, how they'd been indoctrinated culturally and had their sacred cows, if you will, and their pink elephants. And they needed to know the why before we did the what. And so the challenge was, is how do I move this this mission. How do I how do I create people uh, a desire and people to live beyond themselves? And so I would say that challenge was is just how do I get people to see beyond what church is for them, uh, so that they would be infectious and contagious about being the tangible hands and feet of Jesus. So changing an entire church's mindset, especially an African American church, uh, about what church is was very very challenging. And what was the story? Because you renamed the church to I-5 City. I did. I did. Well, I felt this uh, from the beginning uh, that especially in our context of church that, you know, when you hear a church's name, it's kind of like a presentation. You know, so Living Waters Worship Center was a great name, but it put people in a certain mindset. And so I wanted to create a name that wasn't a presentation, but sparked a conversation. And so we named it I-5. I'll never forget. We thought about naming it Impact Church. And Uh, One of the marketing guys that we were talking to said, tell me about your vision. And the Lord took us to Matthew 25. And uh, this conversation, it's like a depiction of Judgment Day almost. And Jesus is having this conversation with his disciples. And he says, when I was hungry, did you feed me? When I was thirsty, did you give me a drink? When I was a stranger, did you invite me in? When I was naked, did you clothe me? When I was sick and in prison, did you care for me? And out of that, I found five missional points, food, water, shelter, clothing, and care. And so we thought, what would it be to have a name that sparked a conversation? And so when anyone hears our name in our city, especially early on, they were like, well, what does I-5 stand for? And we saw that that was the greatest marketing plan is being able to tell what Jesus thinks about his church, what Jesus wants us to do. And so I, I asked our church to make that personal. Jesus says, when did you feed me? Did you give me a drink? And he goes on to say, when you did it for the least of these, you did it unto me. So our church is for the least of these. And we're not a church that does outreach. We're an outreach powered by a church. You know, one of the, one of the favorite things that you've said before is that need knows no color. What, what do you mean by this? And how, how has it affected your philosophy? It basically, when I look at all of the things that divide us, our skin color, our age, our socioeconomic, our gender, there are so many things that divide us. And so I start looking at what are the unifiers, especially in the body of Christ. Well, the unifiers, especially with the message of Jesus Christ, is pain. Pain has no color. Pain has no socioeconomic status. Uh, uh, Divorce uh, has no degree on it. Like, no, what unifies that 
is uh, this need for grace, this need for mercy. So what I love in the body of Christ, especially when we say like uh, a prayer like our father, that us all saying our father unites us as brothers and sisters as he remains on the throne as our father. So need has no color. Need has no socioeconomic level. Need has no uh, body style. Need has no need and, and how God meets needs. It's the unifier, grace and mercy. Wow. Powerful. Now, as you mentioned, you're, you know, you're heavily involved in the community with incredible ministry outreach projects Absolutely. and you're making an impact. These include a lot. Of, I mean, education, sports, um, giving through financial means, delivering food to shelters, seek, uh, you know, sending materials uh, to overseas to even struggling communities and, and more. Elaborate on the role of I-5 elite and and I-5 serve. I want to hear a little bit more about Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Well, they're kind of one in the same. I-5 Elite is our track and field uh, ministry, our sports ministry. And we thought this, uh, like, how can we take a predominantly African-American church? How can we take a, a church that's known for one thing and change the minds of people in our city? Well, how about this? And, and before we invite people to church, let's take church to the people. So one of the ways of us taking church to the people was to change the front door of the church. Uh, which was to start a track and field program. And so what we found out is people want to run. Everyone wants to be a part of something athletic, no matter what sport uh, you play. Uh, you want to get faster. You want to work on your core. And so uh, we, we started I-5 Elite with 20 kids in its inaugural season. Uh, and uh, it's a sports and it's a track and field uh, ministry. It's a, uh, it now travels all over the, the country, all over the world. Uh, it has become uh, one of the top uh, athletic programs in our country in AAU and USATF. And we've got athletes now in Division I uh, on scholarships. We've got athletes in Division II scholarships. And what we have found is that people can find God through track and field. Uh, and that also is kind of the philosophy of, of I-5 Serve. I mean, we believe that we're not a church that does outreach. We're an outreach powered by a church. And so uh, that, that those church services are our pet rallies, if you will, to go out and change the world throughout the week. And so I-5Serve became our outreach arm to the city. It became our separate nonprofit uh, 501c3 uh, where businesses can get involved and uh, companies can get involved no matter uh, their religious affiliation to help us, empower us to change the world. And so we have mobile food pantries uh, that we do. We serve uh, uh, other organizations in our city. Uh, we have something called Project Joshua. Uh, that uh, God put on my heart that we go out and serve all the first responders. Uh, last Easter, before, the week before Easter, we had 120 homeless people stay at our church for a week and, and just loved on them and threw a birthday party for them and did makeovers. And uh, it's our heart. So I-5 Serve is us taking those five missional points and serving the city in any way we can. You're so others oriented and, and your passion is, is always pointing to the need. What is the framework that you use to identify needs? How do you begin to go about, oh, wow, that's an issue. We've got to attack that issue. What is it that allows you to begin to move into the neighborhoods, move into the city centers, move into the university settings and, and meet those needs? What helps you to do that? Absolutely. I would say that the, the foundation of that is compassion. Uh, the foundation of that is empathy. Uh, Paul says that I became all things to all people in order to win the more. Uh, the message version says that I, I enter in people's world. I enter into their world and try to experience things from their perspective. 
And so what we found in that is just not entering into the world of the needy or the homeless or the broken or the divorced, but also entering into the world of the people who are charged and tasked in the community, the, uh, some of the civil workers, some of the politicians, some of the, 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 the city government people and saying, where is the need? They know the need. They're just trying to figure out how are we going to meet that need? So what we've done as a church is we've gone and met with those people that are in charge of those needs and found and says, how can we serve you as a church? What's on your heart to change in the city? And what we found is, is what's on their heart is what needs to be on our heart. Because we're not a church on a block. We're a city on a hill. We're not a church that's in the city. We're a church for the city. And so the foundation of that is compassion. Uh, and then partnerships uh, have been just a, a blessing to us as a church. Changing a little bit here, our culture is so divided. And, and I believe that the only way to heal is, is through Christ-centered relationships. Absolutely. And I love that you emphasize loving beyond your preferences. And of course, meeting again, the basic needs that, that so many disadvantaged people have. Uh, talk about what we need to do as believers to heal division, to heal wow. divide, to bring unity and to bring real transformational Absolutely. I think one of the things is realizing uh, throughout scripture is just what unity does. I mean, Psalms 133, how good and pleasant it is and brethren dwell together in unity. It goes on to say is there God will command a blessing. Uh, even when God is calling us as disciples to go and make disciples of all nations. Uh, and we started picking apart these scriptures and looking at ourselves and saying, you know, me individually, uh, are there areas in my life that I need to explore in order to do that. If we're going to do that as a church, then I got to make that personal. And I think the number one thing, that word beyond, because if we're going to do anything beyond, we're going to have to first acknowledge our own comfort zones. We're going to have to first acknowledge where we stop in our own preferences. And I believe that the first thing to changing the issue of division, to changing the issue of prejudicial thinking and stereotypical living is to first look at ourselves and identify our preferences identify what we struggle with, identify what is hard for us to uh, maybe even not understand. And once we identify that, we can, be we can begin to ask God to give us the grace to go beyond that, to go beyond our preferences, to go beyond what we've been indoctrinated with, to go beyond what we've gleaned from TV and commercialism. Uh, and so for me, I've had to go beyond that. And so acknowledging that I have a comfort zone, acknowledging that there is Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, but guess what? There's also an uttermost. And if we're going to go to the uttermost, we're going to have to realize where we stop. And so that comes from conversations that we just ignore and laugh at that aren't pleasing to God. And we know that aren't bringing unity, but we just don't say anything. And so in our church, I've, I've, I've come up against it. We're predominantly African-American. And even on our side is, uh, uh, is realizing that if we're going to break the walls down, we're going to have to allow our greatest misery to become our greatest ministry. And that's been key for me. When I told you I got kicked out of Bible school because of a racial word that was said that was, uh, you know, one of the worst words ever. And uh, when that was said, and, and I remember being, feeling the pain of that, and I, be, I began to felt like the Lord was saying, like, in that moment that this struggle right now, I'm going to call, call you as an individual to not be mad, to not take your kickball and go back in the corner, but to explore conversations, to get information. And so once we decide... Uh, where we stop, now we can have conversation. 
And I feel like the enemy wants to work in division and not allowing us, like we're doing right now, to have conversation about what we may not understand. Uh, and that, I think, is, the, is key to, to breaking the, the racial walls down. And you, you are a um, you're a powerful leader. Just sitting with you, you can sense that you have a, a gift of being a discerning leader. Wow. Uh, and one who you can sense God's anointing is on you in a way that is going to bring healing in this nation like we've never seen. And you're going to be a key part of that. There's no doubt about that. Wow. And I want to ask you this because as you reflect on your life and you have learned how to lead in so many different ways and and God's obviously plunged you in the deep end, so to speak, mm-hmm. in, in things to help you learn more to be the leader that he's definitely going to use you. What What is some of the the best leadership lessons that you've learned in this journey? I would say the number one uh, lesson as a, as a leader is, is understanding that every leader has to be a follower. Like every leader has to have a leader. Every pastor has to have a pastor. Everyone who holds people accountable has to have someone holding them accountable. Uh, and I think... Um, I've just learned the best leadership uh, that I could ever provide is, is being in a room uh, that is always bigger than me, uh, learning from everyone. Every single person has something to teach us. Uh, another thing that I would say is key for my life is understanding that like the degrees are great, uh, the books are great. There's no better teacher than pain. And I've gone through uh, some pain in my life, some pain in my marriage, some pain at our church. Uh, and I've been leaning into that pain and asking God, what do you want to do in me before you're going to do something through me? And through that, I believe, comes a brokenness and humility that you can't get from a book, that you can't get from another person. You get from being in the presence of God as he heals you from the pain uh, that can turn into purpose. And so uh, I, I will tell you, uh, Dr. Kent, I, I'm, I'm, I've been through a lot and, and, and I'm not going to be uh, shameful about it. I'm going to pick up my testimony like I preached last night. I'm going to pick up my mat and I'm going to say, look what the Lord has done. The best leaders are transparent leaders. Ah, Rich, let me, let me, you know, we're, you, you, you're here in the midst of our, our conference. You uh, shared uh, with our students um, uh, and, and there's so many that you have a chance to impact this generation that God's really raising up to serve yeah. him to serve the church, to serve the world in, in, a, in so many different ways. What advice, as you have these opportunities to step in and encourage these students and encourage these young people, what, what advice do you give them to start out their journey and to understand how to grasp their calling and, wow. and how to grow in that? Wow, great question. I think uh, as you ask that question, the word process uh, I think as a generation of young people that uh, we're not a fan of the process. Uh, understanding that God is a fan of the process. Almighty God could have created everything in a day, but he did it in six and rested on the seventh. That was a process. I look at David's life and uh, David is up against this giant Goliath and uh, he's going to use a stone, you know, to take Goliath out. And then God calls a timeout and he says, go to the Jordan and choose five. And I always thought about that. If it was going to only take one stone to kill Goliath, why would he, they have to go through the process of choosing five? And there again is the process. Could it be that David really didn't throw a stone at Goliath, but he threw his life at Goliath because he was processed? 
I think as young people, we want to rush everything. As young people, we want the title. We want the, the, the prestige. We want the stage. But I have found in my life, 45 years old, uh, that what God is doing in my life right now has come through process. Uh, and I believe that as we are processed, that our gifts can take us to places where our character can keep us. But if we're not processed, our gifts will take us to places where our character and integrity can't keep us. And so as a young leader, someone starting out in, in, in school and university, I would say be a fan of the process. And the process is simply this. Every single situation you're in is a learning process. Serve before you lead. Be able to be corrected, be able to be taught, be able to, to, to not uh, want the stage. Because when you're processed, you'll also be freed from the opinions of other people. That's what pain and process does uh, for us as leaders. So if I could tell my young self, I would have said, shut up, sit down and be a fan of the process. Great voice. Grateful, grateful for your voice and your impact. Hey, I want to close our, our conversation, which has been <laughs> an incredible conversation. Um, with our, our quick lightning round that we always close our, our podcast with. But uh, first question real quick, what's your favorite leadership book or maybe podcast that you've read or recently read that's really impacted you? Absolutely. Well, two, two things stick out to me. Number one, uh, I'm reading a book, pa Pastor Dino, who's my pastor, my overseer, Dino Rizzo, is a good friend of, of you guys, uh, Serve the City. Uh, man, I love, he just, he just his, his, his mind on outreach, his mind on, you know, uh, taking the gospel to the lost and the needy. Uh, and so because that's my bent, I stay in that realm. Uh, so Pastor Dino's new book, Serve the City, is absolutely amazing. I'm also listening to Pastor Brian Houston's uh, leadership podcast. Uh, I believe uh, Pastor Brian and, and the Hillsong, just the whole culture thing. And I'm, I'm trying to establish culture at our church. So anything culture uh, has been great. Uh, I read a book, Leadership Pain, uh, which was absolutely uh, amazing. Uh, leading on empty, learning how to rest, learning how to take a break. And so uh, those are kind of in my wheelhouse right now. Um, and uh, they're blessing me. They're blessing my life in our church right now. All right. Question two, you have a day where your calendar's cleared. You've been mandated by the church to, you got to go and have a perfect day off. What's that perfect day off going to look like for you? That perfect day off uh, is a sleeve of Titleist Pro V1 golf balls. <laughs> there you go. Uh, it is uh, my golf clubs, uh, a good friend, uh, jokes, not talking about ministry, uh, and I would say preferably at Pebble Beach uh, and, uh, and playing golf uh, and just having a day uh, where I just disconnect and um, taking in God's nature, <clears throat> you know, taking in God's character, and uh, just resting yeah. and disconnecting. It's a great day. What historical leader, final question, what historical leader, living or dead, would you most like to have a cup of coffee with? Wow. Um, I would say two, two. I really have two, but I'll, I'll, I'll stay scripture because I don't know, this is just pop, but David. Yeah. I would love to talk to David. I would love to talk to David uh, about recovering, uh, recovering from loss, recovering from pain, leading uh, in the midst of betrayal, uh, how to worship in war at the same time, um, uh, how to lead sons and grow a family when they're not acting uh, like you want them to act. And so I, I would say uh, David honestly is my hero. Uh, when he prayed that prayer, created me a clean heart, oh God. That's just been my anthem of my life, uh, that I stay on that, uh, on the bend of being a man after God's 
own heart. I know that sounds biblical and super spiritual, but honestly, that's where I'm at uh, right now um, in, in our lives is, is I want to be a great leader. And I loved as, as, as David passed it on to Solomon, I want to raise up other leaders. Um, and I will tell you, like, that's where I'm at right now. And um, when, 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 when Peter is, is talking about uh, the, the day of Pentecost and he said, young men will, vis- will, will, will uh, have visions and old men will dream dreams. I want to dream someone else's dream. As I transition from 45 to 50, uh, I, I just love how David did that with Solomon and set him up for success. So that's where I'm at. All right. Well, Jimmy, it's been a pleasure. To Thank have you, you so today. much. For more on Jimmy Rollins, you can go to uh, i5city.com. That's i5city.com. Or also follow him on social media at uh, jrolltv. That's at J-R-O-L-L-T-V. Again, thanks for joining us on Framework Leadership today. To connect with Kent, visit kentingle.com. Also make sure to follow him on Twitter at Kent Ingle and on Facebook at Kent.ingle. Thanks for listening to Framework Leadership.